stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Yeah, I've been reading today that there were some, some rumors going around that uh, former presidents Barack Obama and George W. Bush uh, were looking at or working on some kind of a, a, a joint statement about this whole situation in the U.S. Now, I, I don't know if that's, that's going to happen. I, I think that would be quite powerful if it did. There, there's a real void here at the moment. And, you know, look, certainly I, I don't know if, if the current president could say anything to put an end to all of this or to bring people together. Uh, but the fact that he's deliberately avoiding that, I think, is very telling. Look, I, I don't know if it's in Donald Trump's nature to be that kind of a president. He, he never has been that kind of a president. He's a guy who, you know, sort of built his reputation in politics anyway, someone who takes on his enemies, who fights the people that, that need to be fought against. But that, that typically means fellow Americans. And, and you can see it today on his Twitter feed. Uh, for as much as President Trump is avoiding any kind of public comment in all of this, uh, he's certainly been tweeting, lashing out at Democrats, lashing out at the left, lashing out at the media, lashing out at mayors and governors, and and all of these people he thinks uh, are screwing this whole situation up. Of course, no no accountability or responsibility on his part, which is interesting. Now, as mentioned, though, the... the, the Decision seems very deliberate to avoid any kind of a public statement or nationwide address on this situation. And again, yeah, what, what could he possibly say at this point? Is he the kind of leader that can bring people together, begin the healing that, that really needs to, to come out of this? And in the meantime, where does this whole situation go? I think there was some hope that when they announced the officer in question in Minneapolis on Friday was facing some pretty serious charges. That maybe things might start to come down, but as we saw over the weekend, uh, that's really not the case. And joining us uh, for some further thoughts on all of this, very pleased to welcome the program here this afternoon, Dr. Stephen Farmsworth, Professor of Political Science at the University of Mary Washington in Virginia, also author of the book Presidential Communication and Character, White House News Management from Clinton and Cable to Twitter and Trump. Professor Farnsworth, so great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Glad to be here. Uh, so, I mean, are, are you surprised in, in any sense at, at how Trump has handled this or, or not handled this? Well, I, I really think that the introduction that you went through, I think, speaks to the real challenge that President Trump would, ha- would have in this situation. Normally, when there's a big national crisis, if you think the big um, terrorist attack of 9-11, or if you think about the Sandy Hook shooting for those uh, children in, in Connecticut— or other moments earlier on in American history, the president can be something along the lines of a national father, bringing the country together. That's part of what presidents traditionally have done in moments of crisis. Um, It's not clear to me that Donald Trump really, uh, it would be very good at that. Um, He doesn't seem to convey empathy. I mean, we've had several months now of the COVID-19 crisis in the United States, and there hasn't been a great deal of empathy expressed from this president, uh, a sympathy or efforts to reach out beyond his base politically uh, during that period of time. And so to to me, at a certain level, I think that uh, that he, you know, he, he would probably be wise to try doing something like this. But it doesn't seem to be in his wheelhouse. It wouldn't be his strong suit to convey uh, sympathy or empathy for others. 
Well, you're right. I, I don't know if he's incapable of it, or maybe he, he feels it, it goes against some kind of political brand or, or image that he's built for himself. But it's it's very striking, I think. There was the um, uh, the, the brother of, of George Floyd um, did actually have a chance to, to speak to the president over the weekend, as I was reading, but uh, expressed his frustration that you know, the president wasn't wasn't there to listen to him. The president just kind of ranted and, and rambled and George Floyd's brother says, I, I didn't even really get a chance to, to get a word in edgewise or, or to say anything. And there's a lot that he wanted to say to the president to talk about his brother and talk about this whole situation. And, and maybe that, that kind of encapsulates just, you know, who, who this president is. Well, it's clear that a president at a time like that would be well advised to listen. Um, I, um, I will draw your attention, for example, to, to President George W. Bush. Uh, one of the things that he often did as he traveled around the country as president was to meet with families of servicemen and women who had died in Iraq and Afghanistan. And he had these private conversations with people, and it was an opportunity for them, these families that are going through this immense grief, to talk to the uh, the president about who this person was that they had lost. And um, and one of the things that George W. Bush did as president, and, and certainly this wouldn't have been a pleasant thing to do, was to have those conversations over and over again when he traveled around the country. But he thought that was part of the job. Being president means listening, uh, listening to people who have who have suffered. And th- I think that that speaks to um, the way in which presidents routinely have viewed this job, Democrats and Republicans alike, that when there is a moment uh, an opportunity, a need for healing in the country that the president should be the person to step up and, and deal with that, even if um, they may not be all that popular in the country or they may not be all that popular with the people who they're meeting with, um, failing to uh, to listen, I think, um, that's an easy thing for them to do and a significant absence when they don't. And obviously, you know, this is an election year. And on top of everything else going on in the United States and, and elsewhere at the moment, it, it is an election year. And, and you get the sense maybe that, that President Trump looks through that lens in terms of what's going to help me, what's going to hurt me, what makes me look weak, what makes my opponent look good. Uh, and, you know, there, there's sort of that sense that there is the perpetual campaign, that, that everything's being judged through that lens. And as you say, I mean, the idea of listening, the idea of showing leadership, the idea of trying to bring people together. It's the kind of thing that, that should transcend politics. It's it's not about poll numbers. It's not about, uh, you know, swing states. It's it's just about that responsibility that it seems the position brings with it. Um, do, do you think, though, that it's it's just too much about politics and maybe that's what's what's holding the president back? Or, or is he able to, to separate the two? What's your sense? Well, I really do think that that President Trump looks at people in very instrumental ways. What can they do for him? How can they help him? Um, If you think, for example, about his constant sniping with his first attorney general uh, sessions um, and the extent to which when he recused himself from the Russia investigation that he really talked about sessions being uh, disloyal. Um, He talks about his Justice Department and his military um, in, in a kind of a personal way. And so I do think that there's a, uh, a natural inclination on the part of the president to view things in, in somewhat instrumental terms. 
but in fairness to uh, to President Trump, he's also being viewed in very partisan terms, too. I mean, you have to appreciate the fact that throughout the uh, three years plus of his presidency, his opinion polling numbers in the country have hardly moved at all in good times and bad. When unemployment is really good, when unemployment is really bad, when GDP is really strong, when GDP is really weak, it doesn't matter much. He pretty consistently comes in at the low 40s. There's very little that President Trump can say to the people who don't like him, who will who will then change their minds and start to like him. And there's very little that he can say to the people who like him that will make them feel more negatively towards him. And, you know, and that is um, is in many ways, uh, I think, the uh, the moment in which President Trump uh, finds himself. There isn't a lot that he can say to convince people. um, And it may not be particularly in his nature to try. But the reality is that there are very fixed partisan positions in the minds of most voters, and that really creates an environment where it's very tough for a president uh, to move the needle. If you compare Trump's numbers, say, to Barack Obama's numbers, at some point, two-thirds of Americans approved of Barack Obama's president, and other times he was in the mid-40s, about where Trump has been all the time. But there were periods of time with Obama or with Bush before him where you had two-thirds or more of the country approving of the president's job. You have never had even 50 percent of the country approve of Trump's job. And so you can understand why, as he looks to an election that is just a few months away now, that he's going to be looking very specifically at these political calculations. I don't think it particularly helped uh, the nation uh, deal with this crisis of the moment, but it's certainly uh, not the lens that uh, that uh, you would expect um, Donald Trump throughout his years in politics. Uh, you wouldn't expect him to move away from that approach to uh, viewing politics. So is it, is it too cynical then to say that maybe it's it's just as well that he not say anything, that he keep a low profile? Well, one, you know, I mean, it depends what he would say. I, you know, I think that one of the challenges that uh, the president's communication team has often faced is the extent to which he finds it difficult to stay on message. Donald, Donald Trump shoots from the hip. He has political instincts. They're often good. That's one of the reasons why he's president. But they're not always, uh, always good. Sometimes he comes across as quite tone deaf. I mean, when he's speculating, for example, about people using bleach to deal with COVID-19 by injection. Uh, you, you know, you have to appreciate the fact that, that that was not part of the plan of the communications team for what the president was supposed to say. But uh, and so there's always the question, right, if, if Donald Trump can stay on message or on script in terms of saying what has been planned for him to say, uh, that will work a lot better than if if he starts riffing. But there's a great temptation on, on Donald Trump's part not to be managed, not to be controlled, not to be too programmed. And and that freewheeling nature of the way that he talks is one of the reasons why his supporters feel positively about it. But when you're dealing with um, a, a, you know, an issue as volatile, as challenging, and as emotionally wrenching as uh, police brutality and race questions in America, then you really want to be very careful what you're saying. And m- maybe uh, Donald Trump wouldn't be inclined to be as focused or as consistent in messaging there. Um, And that would be a a reason for him not to say something. But Mm -hmm. I think on balance, um, his presidency would be better served by trying to say something that offers up some measure of sympathy for, uh, for this beyond what we've heard already. Well, we'll see what the coming days bring us. Uh, We'll leave it there for now. Uh, Professor Farnsworth, thanks again for making some time for us here this afternoon. Appreciate the insight. Glad to do it. Have a good one.
All right, you as well. Take care. Dr. Stephen Farnsworth, Professor of Political Science, University of Mary Washington in Virginia, author of the book Presidential Communication and Character, White House News Management from Clinton and Cable to Twitter and Trump. Uh, so the president is still on Twitter uh, with a lot to say and retweeting other people with a lot to say. Uh, and it certainly seems that there is that, that impatient or even impetuous side of him. Just make this all go away. And if the mayors and governors would just get tough, this would all be done. It would all be over with. So it seems as though that's what he's looking for, not some kind of national conversation, tackling this in, in a big sense, something that would pose that kind of a challenge. Uh, let's just make it all go away. Get tough, crack down, end the protest, end the story. But I mean, there's a reason why people are taking to the streets. There's why this, this whole thing has been sparked. Um, so where, where is, in putting aside the need, sure, people are, are committing crimes, committing vandalism, that doesn't need to be dealt with. I think most people would agree with that. But where's, where's the empathy? Where's the empathy for, uh, you know, the victim in all of this, George Floyd and his family and others who have been victims of, of similar kinds of acts of police brutality and racism? Where's, where's the leadership? Anyway, I'm going to be here, 403-974-8255, 974-TALK. Back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.